Welcome everybody. Welcome to Bible study. It's good to see you tonight. Glad you're here. We've got to take a few moments to pray, ask God's blessing on our time, and then we'll look into the Bible, see what God has to say to us. Father, thanks for your love and for just all that you pour out into our lives. We thank you for uh, your blessings. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your peace, your joy. Uh, we thank you, God, that you care for us and that you are looking out for us all the time. We ask God tonight that you would be glorified during this time. We pray that we would worship you, that we would give this time to you to hear from you. Uh, and I pray, Father, that we would uh, have ears to hear and really an open heart and a mind to receive what you want to say. I pray, God, again, that you would challenge us, uh, challenge some of our thoughts, challenge some of our beliefs. And I pray, Father, that uh, we would allow you to direct this time, lead it, and I pray, God, that we would hear you clearly tonight. If we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. amen. <coughs> if you have your Bibles, we're going to look into the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2.6. If you need a Bible, it's probably one around somewhere that you can use. There is one right on the table in front of me, so if uh, anyone would like to use that Bible, it's, it's available. It's sitting there, available, ready to be used tonight, or not. Ephesians 2.6, anybody like to read that please? Alright, thanks for reading that. I want to talk to you a bit about worship tonight, and really what I want to look at is the idea of universal worship. In other words, the creation of God, that which has breath, that which is alive, worships, and is represented through the scriptures as worshiping God. It's kind of an interesting passage where uh, when... uh, is talking about worship and and people worshiping God, and and a statement is made in the Gospel of John that if people didn't worship, then God would raise up stones to worship. And I thought that was interesting, and I've always thought that was an interesting verse because it, it implies something to us. It implies that we have a choice: number one, to worship or not worship as people. But it also implies that there is a a natural order to things, or a supernatural order to things, that those things that have breath, those things that are alive, praise and worship God. And uh, I would think that as people, we tend to think of worship more as something that we decide to do, but I'm not sure other creatures or other parts of the creation have that same privilege as we do. Uh, we we think of ourselves and, and we do have a lot of free will. We have uh, the ability to make choices and and so we decide to do things or we decide not to do things. And so with that comes uh, responsibility. And we have freedom, but we also have responsibility and we have to take responsibility. We're not uh, like other uh, parts of the creation that just react on instinct to everything. Uh, but other parts of the creation do react on instinct. Other parts of the creation are, are something that, uh, and they do things they don't even know why. Uh, if you ask a scientist, they'll tell you that there's certain things encoded in the animal's DNA. 
that tells them how to do things, that they don't have to be taught. We don't really have that as people. We learn as children how to act, who we are, and, and how to be. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a much more complicated process to raise a human child than it is for a mother dog to raise a puppy. There's a much more complicated process going on with a human child. Uh, and we, so we don't have a lot of the same encoding or whatever it is that you'd want to think of it as, as other animals do. And so in, in light of that, I just want you to think about it for a second, that perhaps uh, when we talk about our creation, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, and that's a verse. And when we start thinking about that, I want you to think about that it, maybe we can think of it as having a choice or we can think of it as a decision, but there may not be other beings or other parts of the creation that have the same choices that we do. And, and it's just a, a natural act. It's just an encoded act into them to worship God. And so they do. So I just want to think about that for a second because we'll kind of circle around to this as we get toward the end, but... I just wanted to get that into your head really quick and, and to think about that. Ephesians 2.6 tells us that God has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And uh, the interesting thing about this verse is that, there are a couple of interesting things about it. One is that it's not about the future. It's, uh, it's written in the present tense. And so, so sitting with Christ in heavenly places isn't just a future hope. But it's a present reality. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that all provision, everything that needs to be done, everything that needs to be opened up, everything that needs to happen, has happened so that we can, and it's been made for us, to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's been done. And so there's a reality to it that's a present-day reality, whether we're experiencing it or not. Whether you are personally or I am personally, whether we're experiencing that or not, the provision has made, been made for it, and it is an open opportunity for each of us to sit together with Christ in heavenly places now, and not just something for the future. And so, I, I guess you would think, all right, well, how can anything be heavenly here? I don't know. Can you think of how that happens? How can something be heavenly and still be on earth? And, I, and this is going to bring us to a discussion about how we see what is heavenly. And so I'm giving you a little hint on it there. Yeah, just go ahead. When we're in tune with and receptive of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and aren't there instances... If you think about in the scriptures, aren't there instances where the heavens are open? Aren't there instances where people actually see, actually experience, are actually in the presence of God? And, and I'm not just talking about experiences of people like that we know or, or that maybe we've experienced, but I mean scriptural experiences, scriptural things, things that God pointed out uh, of people seeing into the spirit, of seeing the heavenly realm. Uh, you think of uh, like the shepherds, like a simple one, like Christmas time. The shepherds, what did they see? They saw angels. Yeah, they, I mean, they were spoken to by an angel and they were given instruction, but, but they witnessed an angel army singing. The singing angel army was right there in front of them and they experienced that. 
And they saw the, the, the whole thing and they were given instructions by angels. And see, these were just common everyday shepherds. They were out in the field. They were tending their flocks. And the announcement was made. Jesus been born. Talked about Jesus and all that. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. That kind of thing. It's in the story. You know that one? Okay, I'm trying to pick ones you know. All right. Another one you might know. Stephen. Stephen was a, was a, a deacon in the church. Stephen. And he, he stood up and he gave testimony to Jesus. And they dragged him off and they stoned him. But the Bible says... Okay, the first one was Luke 2. That's the shepherds. This is Acts chapter 7. So what happened with Stephen? He looked up. The heavens were open. He could see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. It's one of the few times you ever see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, not sitting. But he saw that. Or what about someone like Isaiah? In the temple. <clears throat> the Bible says he saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And he heard a voice. He said. Who shall I send? Who will go? And Isaiah answered. Here am I Lord. Send me. And I mean he could see angels. And so the angel came. He picked up a coal off the altar. And brought it over and touched his lips. Yeah, that whole thing that happened there. And his life was changed from that moment on because it was something that he saw. It was something that he experienced. I mean, I'm just picking out three of them you might remember. There are other people. I mean, the whole book of Revelation is that opening of the heavenly realm. That, the whole idea that God showing himself. Well, where was Isaiah? He was right on earth. Where were the shepherds? They were out in a field right on earth, weren't they? They were, they were right there. Uh, where was Stephen? He's about to be stoned to death. He's about to die. But he was right on earth. He was in Jerusalem. And, well, the, the, yeah, the ascending and descending of the angels. And uh, Joshua, where the angel of the Lord appeared in front of him. And then you have, I mean, you just go down a whole list of these people that experienced this and saw that. These were life-changing moments. What about Abram and Sarah when the three men came to visit them? They were angels. Where were they, though? They were right on earth. They were, they're right here. So, so when we talk about being seated with Christ in heavenly places... And, and you think to yourself, how can anything on earth be heavenly? Well, that's how. There are moments of revelation. There are moments where God shows himself. There are moments where the veil is, is, is pulled aside and we can see. Moments when God speaks into our circumstances. Moments when we sense his presence, we know his presence. Moments when we have his peace flowing over us like we haven't felt joy flowing over us that we haven't felt a real understanding that God is here. We hear something. We see something. We feel something. They're, they're all real. I mean, we're here. And we're experiencing that. And that's being opened up to us. And that's an important thing for us as Christians. An important thing for us as believers. Not only to have kind of in an understanding. 
but also in an experiential reality in our life. I think that's how God wants us to live. I really believe that. I really believe that there's more to this life than just what we produce or see right here, right now. But there's a reality that's going on all around us all the time that if we could see it, if we could hear it, if we could put ourselves in a position where we could receive it, we could be experiencing that a lot more often in our lives than we do. Because the reality of it is we're so distracted and we're so preoccupied with the thing that's right in front of our face, which could be anything, could be a screaming kid, it could be someone cutting us off in traffic, it could be whatever it is. We're so preoccupied with that, a bill that's overdue, or whatever it is, that we're not really even in a position to see Him, to see the reality that's all around us, the truth that's all around us, the supernatural that's all around us. It is a present reality in our life, regardless of how things may look, seem, or appear around us. Why don't you think about that for a minute, uh, however they look. And, and Jesus is the perfect example of this. You've got, you think about Jesus, you think about the, the crucifixion story. Everything to that story, to anyone just looking at that from the outside, looks like ultimate defeat. The whole thing looks like defeat. He's being beaten. He's being made fun of. He's being spat upon. He's, he's being dragged through the streets. He's carrying a heavy cross, collapsing under the weight of it. He's being nailed to a cross. He dies on that cross. That is ultimate defeat. Just the fact he was arrested. Just the fact he was tried and convicted. Just the fact, I mean, you go right down the list. It's just defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. Because that's how things look, seem, and appear. And yet the reality of that whole situation was ultimate victory. But who could you get to understand that in that moment except for Jesus? Who was going to get that? It was ultimate defeat everywhere they looked. I mean, that's, that, that's our story. That's the story of the passion. That's the story that we have understanding of the gospel with. It looks like ultimate defeat the whole way. That is the circumstance. That is what's going on around them. That's what's really happening. And yet, ultimately, what was happening, the truth of the matter, if they could not just see with their eyes, if they could not just hear with their ears, if they could not just experience that moment in that physical place where they were, but if there was something in them that could have seen something more, it was ultimate victory. Ultimate victory was happening. It didn't look like it though. And I want you to think about times in your life where things looked really bad, but it really wasn't. I mean, there's, there's things that I, I think of like that. There's times that I think of uh, with people going overseas. I, I've been thinking about just different stories from uh, being just in different parts of the world, in different places where it, it looked like things were hopeless or times when it looked like things were just going to fall apart. And, 
And that was the moment before something awesome happened. And how do you explain that? I have no idea. Only this, that it's not only what you see with your eyes and you hear with your ears. It's not only what you taste with your tongue or you you feel with your hands. But there's a reality, there's a bigger reality to things than just our senses. That there's a spiritual sense, there's a powerful spiritual sense that that as it's developed in us, we can see beyond the circumstance. We can see beyond just the thing that's happening right in front of our face and know that there's something else going on. There's something bigger. There's something greater. There's something just a lot more fantastic than what we're experiencing with our five senses. There's been times where, you know, we've gone up. I remember we were taking a trip across North Africa there was a few of us that took this trip. It was a prayer tour. We were visiting uh, different mosques and holy sites and all these places to pray over them. And we were actually walking into the mosques to pray through them and all that. And uh, one of the things that, that happened was that we had a couple of times where we, we needed to get somewhere and the door was just closed. It was just closed. And one of those times we were trying to get from Tunisia and we're going to go through Libya to get to Egypt. And at the time, Libya was kind of pseudo-open, but it wasn't open for Americans necessarily. So I'd gone up to Canada because we didn't have a, uh, and I don't know if we still do, I have no idea, but we didn't have an embassy from Libya in Washington at the time, or a consulate in New York or anything. So I had to drive to Ottawa. Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Just to talk with a Libyan of any stature. And so I went to talk to the Libyan of this, you know, whatever. She's like, ah, I can't really do anything for you, but uh, I'll give you the name of somebody, maybe they can help you out. And so she gave me the name of this person that was in Tunisia. And so I went to Tunisia, went to Tunis, we were there, staying at a place. And the guy that I needed to talk to was down in this little town called, a city called Esfax which isn't really how you say it, but that's how I say it, so deal with it. <laughs> so I took a, we took a train down to Sfax, and we ended up stuck in Sfax because this guy just would not give me a yes or no answer. He was just, just playing it along. We went to see him. He was an official. He supposedly somebody could help us out. He was the guy for Libya and Sfax, and you know, maybe we could get a three-day pass just to take a bus across Libya. We didn't care. We just wanted to pray there. <coughs> so we're stuck in Sfax. And it looked like it was just going nowhere, frustrating. You know, I'm giving you all the, this is what we see, hear, touch, and feel. And yet at the same time, God was working because there were a group of people in Sfax that we needed to meet. There were a group of people that lived in that town that we needed to meet, that we needed to pray with, and that we needed to believe God with, and we needed to form a relationship with. And it took a few days to do that. Probably about the number of days we were stuck there before the guy finally said, no, you can't go to Libya. All right? But it was a good number of days that we were stuck there waiting on that decision that we met all of these people, all right, and talked to them, one of the guys we met, super interested in the gospel, were able to give him 
uh, or we were able to pray with him a number of times. I sent him a Bible in a language that he could read. He was faithful to read through that. He had become, uh, after a while, <coughs> interested in politics and become a politician in his part from his part of the country. And was instrumental in, you guys hear of Arab Spring? He was instrumental in Arab Spring in his part of Tunisia. So did we know that? No. Did we see that? No. No, we were just stuck there. We were just stuck there waiting on some, you know, some big bureaucrat to make a decision. We didn't even realize what was going on. And yet God was working something there. He was moving something there. And these people that we were able to pray with, these people that we were able to share the gospel with, these people that we were able to form relationships with, I mean, that was something important that happened. But we wouldn't have chosen to do that. God chose that. And we were his, his unwitting uh, accomplices in it. Because we didn't know. We just didn't know. And so regardless of how things may look, seem, or appear around us, God grants us a heavenly position. He gives it to us. He says, this is your position. This is where you are. Okay, somebody look at John 14, 2. Maybe God will give you a, a little different revelation about what Jesus says here in John 14, 2. Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? All right, thanks for reading that. Now, is it possible, and I, I just want you to think about this, and I know he talks about his house and, or his mansion or whatever your Bible says, but Jesus went to prepare a place for us. And we've been given position with him to sit with him in heavenly realms now. You know, and I think of this, and I and I, maybe God will give you a little bit of revelation on this, but He prepared this place for us. And this may not be the mansion that we're going to have when we go to uh, be with Him for all of eternity or whatever, but we're with Him now. And it, it may not be the final place, but it's a place, isn't it? And we need to think of it as a place. We need to think of it as His provision for us, something that He's prepared for us. And it's available to us. And, and regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what's going on around us, this is a place that we can dwell. This is a place that we can find rest and peace and joy and all the rest of those kind of things that, that He offers to us. It's prepared, it's ready for you, for me, right now. You know, we tend to think of or view heaven as directional. What do I mean by that? Where's heaven? Right? People point up, right? And we tend to view heaven as directional. But in reality, it's really dimensional. It's all around us. It's not really a direction. And, and part of the reason we view it as directional is because of the way sometimes it's described in the Old Testament. 
the way that it talks about you know the sky and and all of that and we might tend to think of it that way and i think a lot of uh mythologies will see you know their gods live up in the heavens like up in the sky somewhere and everything and i think some of that also kind of rolled over into our thinking and the way we see things but the reality of it is and this is where i want to get at the reality of it is is that heaven isn't really directional you know it's like if i said where's heaven little kids where's hell yeah well that's actually the recording studio right there you know what i mean yeah so but i mean you know you think <laughs> think that way but i there's not that that's childish and it might be convenient to teach a child that but in our reality, in the way that we need to view this, if we're really going to experience it, we're really going to have any kind of understanding of it, is that it's not directional and it is dimensional. So, so where is the heavenlies? Where, where's that? It's all around us. I mean, where, is, where are angels? They're all around us. Where are demons? They're all around us. There's, uh, there's spirits. There are... Uh, familiar spirits that are close to us. There are um, spirits of fear, lying spirits, uh, you know, spirits of infirmity. And if you think about Jesus, and I was just talking about this today uh, during the intern meeting, and we we're talking about how you know we, we think of Jesus as a healer, we think of Jesus as one who made people whole and everything. But if you read through the accounts, which we did, we took a season to read through every account of Jesus healing somebody, all through the Gospels. If you read through those accounts, what you see are many, 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 many times. And I don't know the percentage, but it's high. That when he healed somebody, he cast out a demon. He spoke to a spirit of infirmity. He, he rebuked a spirit. He did something spiritual where he addressed a spiritual entity that was causing a sickness in a person. And we don't like to think about that. We don't like to think about it. Alright? But he did. Read through it. And, and be careful not to dismiss that as, well, those were just old-timey beliefs. Old-timey beliefs? That's what Jesus was doing. I'll take the old timey beliefs. I mean, people were being healed. There were sometimes said he healed every single sick person that came to him. It was working. We need a little more of the old timey beliefs because it seems to work. Because whatever we're doing as the church, I'm not saying our church in particular, but whatever we're doing as the church is not working 100% of the time. It's just not. What he was doing was working high percentages and so if it was something that he understood as being these are spiritual issues something he understood as this was a demonic issue something he understood that's a spirit of infirmity something he understood oh that's a familiar spirit whatever it was he understood that and he was able to deal with it on that kind of a spiritual level people were being made whole because of it but it emphasizes the spiritual world that's all around us. That's everywhere. 
I can remember when I was a young Christian, I would run across people every now and then. I'd go to services, healing services, and they had people, uh, they'd pray over people, deliverance over people, and they'd have them spit into a bucket. Anybody ever see this before? Well, good for you. Because it was kind of weird. All right, now I, I don't know what works, what doesn't work with that, but uh, they, they would literally have buckets up at the front of the church. People would go up there, they'd pray over them, and they'd start hacking into a bucket or throwing up into the bucket as they were being delivered. So what this led to... You, you, what? <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. So what that led to... I never, I never did that one. I would watch it, though. I would watch that, though. But what that led to was a backlash from mainline or kind of whatever you call normal Christian churches. It led to a backlash against these people, like, oh, those people see a demon behind every rock. you got to be careful of those people. And almost a rejection of the idea that demons and spirits are active in causing infirmities and causing problems in the, people, in the lives of people. All right? Now, I think there's a vast area between spitting or puking into a bucket and total denial of whether or not there are demonic spirits causing problems to people. All right, you understand what I'm saying? And so what, what I'm getting at is that I think we need to be open to the fact that we are living in a reality and there's a spiritual reality that's all around us. And if you've ever known anybody... And, and most of us wouldn't, but maybe you do. You know somebody that can see into the Spirit. You can, they can see angels. They can see demons. They can see these kinds of spirits. And when they can see those things, uh, it's helpful to know how to pray. It's helpful to know how to speak to those situations, to speak into those circumstances. It's also helpful to see what the root cause of something might be when it might just look like somebody's being stubborn, but maybe they're not just being stubborn. And maybe there's a spiritual cause behind what's going on. And whether or not a person can see that or not, maybe they can be open enough that God could tell them that's what the problem is and they could be more effective in their prayer. I think God wants us more effective. I think God wants us in a place where we, we're, we're more effective in not only reaching people with the gospel, but setting people free, seeing people released from bondages, seeing people set free from the power of the enemy. You know the reason that the Son of God appeared? Anybody know the reason He appeared? To destroy the works of the, to destroy the, works of the devil. And you would think, you would think, that that would be a bigger deal to us as Christians if we really believed that the reason Jesus appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. If we really believed that, you would think that would be a bigger deal to us. Because it is a big deal. You want to tell me why Jesus appeared? And not without making anything up, just reading the Bible. You want to tell me why Jesus appeared? To destroy the works of the devil. That's why he appeared. So, we're Christians. We're Christians. What's partly, and I'm going to say this as nicely and, and as, as friendly as I can, 
but at least partly it's got to be a part of what we're doing here and the reason we're here. Can you guess one part of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I know he gave us the Great Commission. We're going to go out and make disciples, and we're going to baptize, and we're going to teach, and we're going to lay hands on the sick, and they're going to recover, and all those kind of things. But when it comes down reason for being purpose type stuff, we're identified with him. He's empowered us to be his representatives on the earth. If his reason for appearing was to destroy the works of the devil, there's got to be some of that in us gotta be if we destroy the works of the devil all those other things that you talked about they all come to pass too what do you mean the healing right and 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 (laughs) well it's all part of it and 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 the going out and discipling is what allows those works of the enemy to be Destroyed because you're spreading that that word. Well, so, it's all so part of it. All comes together into one. Right, but without recognizing right. that that's a that's a that's a uh, component of it, I don't know that we're that effective at it. No, that, I. You know what totally, I'm saying? I totally. Agree and, and we're making disciples. Why? Because we can make more people Fight to go out and destroy the works of the devil and to reach more people. Right. So it's a it's a perpetuation of what he's done. In other words. He's one person. He poured out the Holy Spirit on... Well, He poured His life into the 12. He poured out the Holy Spirit on the 120. The 120 then were scattered through the persecution in Jerusalem. They went throughout the whole earth. And they were doing the same kinds of things. And it began to spread and began to multiply. But what was multiplying? And this was the issue here. What was multiplying is we can talk all about reaching people for Jesus. Awesome. We can talk about making disciples, awesome. We can talk about baptizing, awesome. But there is a real battle that goes on. It's a real one that's taking place for the souls of men and women. And that battle has to be recognized in order for us to be effective in what God's called us to do. If you ever read the Screw Tape Letters, it's a funny book. If you've ever read C.S. Lewis, a fictional account, he goes and he's behind the scenes with demons as they're talking to each other and they're planning things out. If you ever read it, you should. It's funny. It's funny. It is funny. It is. He writes it in a humorous way. But it's also revealing. And one of the things, though, that one of the important parts of that book, and one of the things that stuck out to me the first time I read it, the second time I read it, the third time I read it, one of the things that always has stuck out to me is that if, and then this is them talking about themselves, if we can get them to believe that we're not real, We've already won. Yeah. So, I feel like, and, and this is something that, that, that I, I try to do every now and then, is to remind us, to remind me, to remind you, that there's a reality all around us. And there's a demonic reality around us. There's an angelic reality around us. And don't forget it. It's so easy not to think about it. See, we make the spiritual stuff scary, don't we, for kids? Little kids are scared of the spiritual stuff. Why? It's not innate. 
And, and the reason I know that is because as a little kid, I used to have visions. And I, I would wake up with visions and of, of, of lions or, or other types of animals or, or other types of beings. And, and I would say, hey, Grandpa, I just, I just saw this. Because I, I, I slept in the same room with my grandfather. I said, Grandpa, I just saw this. And he'd say, oh, that's okay. That's good. That's good. Remember what you just saw. Remember, don't forget when you're sleeping because sometimes you forget stuff. He's like, you remember that. And he'd pray for me, pray with me and stuff. It wasn't scary. It only got scary when kids would tell ghost stories. It only got scary when we'd go in the graveyard and we'd tell each other ghost stories and things like that. It only got scary when I'd watch certain movies. And then all of a sudden the spiritual realm would get scary. But innately, and as a small child, I wasn't scared of it. I didn't understand it all. I didn't know what I was seeing, but I certainly wasn't afraid of it. I was taught to be afraid of it. And maybe some of us need to be retaught not to be afraid of it. Not to be scared. That there's nothing to be scared of. There's nothing to be worried about. In the sense that, that the reality of it is, is that God is in the midst of his people. How? In that realm. He's here. In that dimension, whatever you want to call it, he is here. He doesn't sit in heaven. He sits here. With us. We've gathered in his name. Here he is. In our midst. Where? He's in us, for sure. That isn't scary. No, no, I mean, if you're going to be scared of something, I mean, that isn't scary. He's in you. He's in you. I mean, I don't know. That, that's more scary to me than he's here in, in our midst in the spiritual realm, in a realm that maybe you can't see. Maybe a realm I can't see, but he's here in our midst. There's angels here, and there's other spirits here, and there's all this reality that's going on around us. Here he is. Here we are. I know some of you get frustrated because you want to see it. And I don't know how to help people see it. I used to try to help people. And, and it, would, it, would, it turned out bad. And I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And every now and then, like before people go on trips or before people lead out and things or whatever, I'll pray over them for God to open their eyes. I'll, I'll attempt to help them to see some things and stuff like that. But what it comes right down to is it comes down to you. It comes down to me. And, and what are we willing to experience? What are we willing to really see? What are we willing to really know? See, every time we worship, we join thousands of other created beings in worship. Where are they? They're all around us. They're all around us and we're joining in with them as we Worship the Creator because He's their Creator too. Somebody look at Revelation chapter 5. <coughs> Revelation 5, 11 and 12. 
All right, thanks for for reading that. And as you, as we read that, what do you what what do you see there? Thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. Now, one thing I do want to say, and I know most of you know this, but I want to say this: angels are not dead people. I just want to make sure you know that, because uh, that's not true. And uh, it, what's true is that angels are created beings, like we're created beings. And they were created, and they live their lives, and they have their existence. They, they're something else. They're not us. And they were never us. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> now, do you know some people believe that? I've had that question a number of times during Bible studies where I open up for question and answer time. And some of us say, are angels really people that died? You know, or there's some other thing. When does an angel get his wing or something? You know, I mean, I don't even know. Yeah, when you die, do you get wings? No, I no, no, there's no wings. What's that? So eat your fill while you're here. Yeah, yeah, there's no wings. Yeah, you got to eat your, yeah, the only wings I want are chicken wings, yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, you look at a scene like that in Revelation, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of angels, but there's other creatures in that scene. There's other things that John sees there. Just like there's things that, that uh, Isaiah sees in chapter 6. When he sees the Lord high and lifted up, his train fills the temple. But there's also the, the cherubim and the seraphim. And, and there's other, like Ezekiel. What did that guy see? I don't know. He saw creatures with like four different faces and, and wheels and wheels. And they're rolling along in different directions. And they're moving as they're moving and everything. What did he see? I don't know. But I do know that there's lots of stuff that, that, that we don't know yet. But it's there. It's right out there somewhere. And then you see all the things that Jesus talks about. And you got the spirit of this or you got the spirit of that. You got the demon. You got the devils. You got whatever they are. I don't know. Daniel talking about the prince of Persia. Talking about a spiritual being. Then you, got, then you got Paul talking about spiritual wickedness in high places, powers and principalities. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. What are those? So there, there are things that we don't know. But it doesn't mean they're not real. I mean, there are a lot of people in China you don't know, but they're real. There's like a billion people in China you don't know. You have never seen them before. You never met them before. You can't even pronounce most of their names. But it doesn't mean they're not real. They're real. So if there's a billion people in China that you've never met, don't know, couldn't tell me anything about them, can't even pronounce their name, see, you believe there's thousands and thousands of things in the spiritual realm you don't know about, all right? Doesn't mean they're not real. Just means we don't know yet. Sometimes I wonder if we'll know when we pass over. Well, we'll have. Well, that's the. It's kind of an interesting thing because there will be a finite number of people and and created beings 
there is a finite number of people and creative beings, but we'll have an infinite amount of time. So, so statistically, we'd be able to meet everybody and get to know them. If you think about it. <laughs> right? I mean, you could spend 10 years with each person and still have time left over because there's no time. Yeah. It's uh, similar to that vision when my father passed that he was with everybody that he loved and they were all there at that moment. Right. There was no waiting. He wasn't waiting for the next person to pass over so that he could be with them. He was with them all. Right. And there. Right. And that was, I was going to mention earlier, that was like a glimpse into the heaven. Right. <coughs> Correct. That was one I experienced. Right. At the right time, too. Right. As a the moment of need, as a, a point of need, right then. Okay, uh, Psalm 150 in verse 6. I quoted this earlier, so. This is where I said we we're going to head back to that. This is this is this is now. All right. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Thanks, Patrick, for reading that. Appreciate. And so this brings us back to where we started, pretty much, and that is all creation worships Him. And what I'm encouraging you to do, and what I want to encourage you to do tonight is to take your place in that. That we should take our place in that worship. Take that place in His creation. And in doing so, think about that He's prepared a place for us to do just that. There's that spot. There's those heavenly places. He's prepared a place for us to to enter into, to be seated with Him, to worship Him, to fellowship with Him, and we can take our place in that worship, that universal worship that's happening. All creation, everything that has breath, worships God, including us, if we choose to. We have the choice. And so as we're making that choice, I want you to think about it in a couple different ways. One way I want you to think about it is that we can just go through the motions. And people do. Well, I shouldn't say people. I do every now and then go through the motions because I might not feel well or I might be distracted or I might be tired or I might be sick or something's going on that I, I, I don't feel like it. All right? And there are those times that I'll go through the motions. But God wants more than that out of us. He does. He wants more, more than that out of me. I know that. And even though I can look back and say there's times I went through the motions, there's lots of other times I didn't just go through the motions, that I entered into that spot that He has created, that He has made, that He has prepared in heavenly places, and I found myself in the midst of that. There's times during worship when I'm here in this building where a, a light will pass in front of me so bright that I can't stand up. That happens. Where I, I don't feel like I could see anything even if, if I open my eyes. And that's happened a number of times in this building. 
times where I, I, I can't even describe the feeling I have of being overwhelmed with His presence or overwhelmed with His joy or overwhelmed with His peace or whatever it is. Not going through the motions, but actually experiencing Him, actually taking the time to worship Him and joining in with the thousands and thousands and thousands of other created beings, the millions of other created beings that are joining in worship. And I'm joining them in worship. And I'm finding my place in that heavenly place that He has prepared for me. Does it have to be here? No. It could be on a bus in the middle of the desert, which it has been before. It could be on a plane, getting ready to land in a place that I don't know anything about and I can't speak the language. Or it could be where I'm uh, in the midst of a group of people that really don't want to hear what I have to say, but I've got to speak what I believe God's put on my heart to say. But finding yourself in the place that He's prepared for you, in heavenly places, and joining in the worship that's taking place all around us. Regardless of our circumstance, regardless of our situation, regardless of what people are doing around us, but finding ourselves right there with Him. Now, this is going to mean a couple things for us. One is we can't let drama rule our life. We need to let Jesus rule our life. I mean that. He wants to rule. And He gives us every opportunity to allow Him to rule. But that means we've got to to set aside set aside and find our place in the place he's prepared for us that's our decision or not but it's a decision that we can all make every one of us does anybody have any questions or comments just real quick and then I'll close in prayer I thought I was going to have lots of time at the end of this, but then... Nope. Is there some way that you personally get past those times when you're just going through the motions? Well, I would say those are really the exception, not the rule. So I don't really know that I do anything to get past I think that I, I think I come to my senses in a way <laughs> I mean I think I just come to my senses in a way like what what's distracting me it's not that important you know if I'm sick why don't I just get some prayer if I don't feel good why don't I have somebody lay hands on me you know and, and I think I think just you get temporarily distracted or whatever but the, the key to that is is coming to your senses at some point and just get taken care of it. You know, I walked in yesterday and Howard was walking up. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, I don't feel good. <laughs> I feel like I got something in my throat. I feel like I'm stuffed up. And, he, and Howard just immediately is like, get out of there. Uh, no sense. No sense waiting for that. <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> yeah. That's it. 
You know what I mean? Like, like so, so you know what? What brought that on, though? What what happened? How did how did that happen? But well, how did that happen? Where Howard would would uh, help me? Because you you spoke the need, right? You stepped out in faith and acted. right, right. But part of it is me recognizing a need and speaking it out. Yeah, yeah. That's probably what I need to do. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I tend to not do that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know me. Right. So I mean, I mean, and, and we all have our thing, you know, and and so totally have to do what we have to do, you know, if we want to break out of patterns. It's when when you're there and in that, it's like so awesome, you know. Like, right. Why would I not want to be there all the time, every minute of every day, you know? Right. Right. But then I, I, I let. I let the world get back in and get in between me and You see, I don't think commiserating is that awesome. I'm not saying you do either, but it seems like we have like a thing in us as humans that we like to commiserate a little bit. And I just don't think it's that, that awesome. And maybe it happens every now and then, but we seem to like it or something. It's almost like it makes you... It is. makes your problems not seem so bad if you can commiserate with somebody else. Right. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, but I mean, it's almost like it's not it, that bad to begin with. Now you remember you, you saw the movie The Matrix, right? Mm-hmm. And when they were talking about when they made the first Matrix, it was too perfect, right? And, and people were unhappy because nothing was ever wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they were rejecting, getting kicked out of the. Matrix. Yeah, yeah, they kept they kept waking up because they, they couldn't believe it, right. you know. Because nothing was nothing was ever wrong, so and they and, had to program misery. In yeah, they had to, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know, and, and I think about that, and I think a human condition is somewhat that, but I'm wondering, you know, because considering heaven and considering where we're headed for, we should get used to it. We need to get used to it. We need to get used to winning all the time, you know? Well, the, the devil doesn't want us to right. take a hold of the victory that's already been Right, won. right. But we've got to recondition our minds toward that. If you think about it. Did you ever tell you the truth? Did the devil ever tell you the truth? No, man. You might mix a little stitch of truth in there to make the lie more believable. Well, that's what makes a good lie, though. That doesn't make it the truth. (laughs) A little bit of truth that makes a good lie, but that don't make it the truth. Uh-huh. And, and, Well, understand not every spirit's from God. This is not. And so one of the things that I prayed for when I first started moving in some of this 
I prayed for the gift of discernment of spirits. I want to know how to discern spirits. I wanted, I wanted that. And that was something I prayed for right away. And I kept praying for it, kept praying for it, kept praying for it. And I still, I pray God just strengthens that in me all the time. I want discernment of spirits. I want to be able to distinguish between spirits. What's God? What's not God? And is that 100%? No. But it, I think as you grow in it, and you grow into spiritual things, that becomes a more obvious distinction. It becomes easier, but it's never 100%. And, and uh, you know, if you read the Old Testament, this is going to be a weird thing to say, but I want, you know, it's just the way it is. If you read the Old Testament, there were prophets that were prophesying to the king, and they were just prophesying whatever the king wanted to hear. And the Bible says that, that God sent a lying spirit onto those prophets that they would prophesy a lie to that king, but they were already prophesying lies. But he, he sent a lying spirit that would prophesy a specific lie to the king that was going to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. And, and so uh, there's all kinds of spirits. All, right? all kinds of spirits. And it's never 100%. But that's why we have each other, too. So in other words, if, if I hear something and I'm a little weird about it, I'm going to ask somebody. All right, I'm going to talk to somebody about that. I'm going to look in the scriptures. I'm going to say, oh, well, what do I see in there about this? You know, what does this person say? This person's been around a long time. What do they got to say about it? And and then get a, you know, <laughs> no, really, though, but then you get a little bit more, you know, it's not just you. Because if it's just you or it's just me, well, we're not going to sometimes. We're just not going to. Devil knows your name. <laughs> well, they know our name. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, when I say devil, I mean in general, you know, they know your name. There's spirits around us that know us. They know our habits and stuff too. They know us better than we know. You know what I mean? Like they know what we're up to. You know. Yeah, yeah, like if you're prone to guilt, they'll take something you've done and make, try and make you feel guilty about it or something like that. Yeah, they'll just even disguise themselves like the Holy Spirit. You know, like this is going to be conviction or something. No, nah, this is guilt. Just trying to paralyze you, just trying to keep you from, you know, moving forward in God and doing what you need to do. Yeah, when we, when we that's just lies. The book and teachings, when is the Holy Spirit then Condemning and lying guilt on people, and the, the issue, yeah, and I mean the issue. You think about Jesus, think about Jesus, and uh, and I said this yesterday. Jesus and the woman that was caught in adultery. Mm -hmm. Where are your accusers? Right. Who's the accuser of the brethren? The devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Where are your accusers? They've gone. There are none left. Well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's that's the voice of God right there. So right? a lot of the discernment comes from what are you hearing? Yeah. Is Because if you told it, me, is it life bringing. Or like, is it, let's say you were telling me, right? And let's say you're telling me something. 
I'd probably have an instantaneous reaction to it. You know, <laughs> I'd probably say, ah, oh, that doesn't sound like God to me, or that doesn't sound like the devil to me, or whatever. You know, I, and I would probably just tell you that. Or somebody, it could be anybody, you know, but what I'm trying to say is, is that you get a different perspective on it. Outside of yourself, and it might be something obvious to, to somebody outside of yourself, but not obvious to you because it's in you. You know, that the, the, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you want, you want another perspective. Because there's things that I get confused about, but if I say to somebody, even while I'm saying it out loud to somebody, it becomes so clear to me, then it's like, well, this is dumb, okay. And then that's it, you know, and I don't, I don't think about it again. If, if, I hear, if I hear a spirit telling me to drive into a bridge apartment. Don't listen then, to that, yeah, Dave. Oh, no, no, that ain't the one I want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> See? No. <laughs> that would be the, the other spirit laying in the other ear. Of course, the first line. All right. All right. We don't want to go there. <laughs> All right. We're way over time. Let me pray for you. You guys ready? Yeah. Set. Pray. All right. God, thank you for... Uh, just the reality that's all around us. I want to thank you that uh, we, we live in the midst of a spiritual reality uh, that, that God is so real and so here and so now and, and so a part of us. I ask you, uh, and I pray for each of us here, that you would, I pray for the gift of discernment of spirits. I pray, God, that you would uh, just pour that out on your people. And I pray, Father, that we would uh, be able to receive of your gifts. That we'd be able to receive your gift tonight. Uh, that you would pour out just that and that we'd be able to differentiate between the good and evil spirits, the, the godly and evil spirits that are around us and that speak to us and that reveal things to us. I pray, Father, that uh, you give us the gift, uh, just a real active and powerful gift in our life to be able to do that. Father, I pray for us that you would open up our hearts, our minds, open up our eyes and our ears to the spiritual reality that's all around us. I ask you, God, that we would join in the worship of you with the thousands and thousands and the millions of, of your creation that are worshiping you, that we could find that place that you prepared for us to join in that worship, regardless of our circumstance and regardless of what's going on around us. But God, I pray uh, a real peace I pray a real joy over your people. And I ask you, God, that you would deliver us from going through, going through the motions and deliver us into the reality of your kingdom and the reality of your presence. God, we give you thanks tonight. We ask, God, that you help us to move closer to you and closer into that place that you've made for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good to see everybody tonight. Thanks for coming.